Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we're continuing our study. If you weren't here last week, God showed up and you did not. Um, uh, I'm just teasing. Come on now, it's the morning, you know. Doesn't it feel like nighttime because it's all dark in here, you know? It's not, it's not, it's the morning. Um, uh, We just looked at verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5 last week and a powerful, powerful verse helpful for us as we think through what it is to walk with him as it is to be a Christian in this time and in this place. And we're going to continue from there this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you starting in verse 16, uh, going down through verse 21. God's word says this, uh, but I say, uh, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. God, thank you for your word this morning. I ask that you grant us grace to understand it. I pray that we would be ones to have an open heart to hear you speak and and that we would love your word as you have written it to us. God, we thank you. Uh, Thank you for the blessing of this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I could ask you a question. I could say, so what are you going to do today? And... uh, that's kind of a trick question in and of itself because what I'm asking is not what are you going to do today, it's what you're planning to do today, right? You may or may not do what you plan to do. What, what are you going to do tomorrow? What, what are you going to do the next day? And what are you going to do next year and 10 years from now and 20 years from now? And some of you are doing the math and you go, I hope I'm in heaven. You know, I kind of am doing the math here and I think I'll be in heaven. Not because I'm wondering about my salvation. I just, I'm looking at my shelf life, you know. And man, I better slow down on what I'm talking about here today. Here, um, But I think that it's important to get a perspective from God's word. So we've talked about this week after week as we've been going through the book of Galatians. They were people who did not know Christ. They, they, had, they were pagans. They were, they were people serving other gods and, and doing other things. And, and, and many of us know what it's like to be an adult who doesn't know Jesus. We, we know very well what life was like. And we know the sins that we committed. And we knew the life that we were living. And, and that was the Galatians. That's who they were. And... Paul rolls into town, he shares with them the gospel message, they respond in faith, trusting in Jesus, and and then they're trying to figure out what to do next, how to live now, 
uh, being changed by the gospel, what does that look like? And what's interesting about that, and um, we had a beautiful memorial service yesterday uh, celebrating Pat Cott's life. And, and I think of her, she was in her 80s and she passed away and she had a full life and uh, touched many lives and then she went home. Then she went home. I mean, that's the way to say it. Like, she, she lived her life. She trusted the Lord. She served her family. She loved many people. She cared for many people came because they'd been touched by her life. And then she went home. And then she went home. And, and what we're talking about is from here to there. From here to there. How are we going to live the life from here to there? I, I think so often... When you think of uh, those who are young people, college Bible study at my house tonight, just want to remind you all who are college age, even seniors in high school are welcome because they're going to get grown up before they have to. Um, you're welcome to come to my house 7 o'clock. Um, what was I talking about? From here to there. Uh, young people, that's what I was talking about. Young people, um, it, when you're young, it, it, many times you don't have these long-term plans. You're just looking at today and you're saying, how do I want to live today? What do I want to do today? How, how do I want to spend this time? I want, I want to go do this. I want to go do that. Or I want to do nothing. You know, there, there's this sense of that. And then as responsibility hits and you get married and kids and stuff like this, you might even think of it differently. What do I have to do today? What do I have to do today? There's pressure. There's pressure. And, and you, you think about that. And, and then as time goes on, Maybe you think about what you wish you would have done yesterday or something like that. I don't know. But, but, but this idea that we always have this plan and hope and wonder, what are we doing with today? How do, how do we live today? And then what are we going to do with the other days that we have as well? And different phases of life bring up different questions of what am I going to do with the time that God has given me? Because of Christ, there's a new way to keep on living from here to there. In verse 16, we looked at last week, uh, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And, and he's putting the big principle, really tying some things together for them from the whole book, saying this is the new way to live. It's walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, doing what you do, walking, as you progress through life, you do that by the Holy Spirit, and if you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the flesh, and the corresponding can be said as well. Ignore the Spirit, and you'll be left to do what the flesh does, which will just be the sins that you did before. And, and things like that. that. That's what will happen. You can walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the flesh. But if you ignore the Spirit, you'll be left to do what the flesh does, which will be sin. Which brings us to this morning, verse 17. And he's going on to describe a little bit more of this relationship between the flesh and the Spirit. Okay? And so... Let's just walk through it, and, and I want to start out with just talking about the enemy of the Spirit of God, the enemy of the Holy Spirit in us. He says, 
But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, and I, I want you to get this. There's probably three or four other verses we could use but I chose to use this one, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Um, it says this, uh, you, you, however, are not in the flesh. Okay, it's this, Paul's writing this as well to the Romans. He's writing this to the Galatians. And he's, he's talking about the flesh and the spirit. Okay, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And what I want you to see there is this, that the, the picture or the residency, where is the Holy Spirit? It is in, it indwells the believer. There's an intimacy with God the Holy Spirit with the believer upon salvation. It's very important for you to, to get this, that, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You're so dangerous, you don't even know it, right? And, and that, that's the truth. That's the truth. There's a power in you to accomplish. And so life has changed for the Galatians. It has changed. Whether they know it or not, it has changed if they've trusted in Christ. And I want to tell you that same change, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is for you as you've trusted in Christ. It's interesting too, so, so what I want you to understand as it comes to the, the Spirit and the flesh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit, I, I want to remind you of this, that the Holy Spirit is in communion and agreement with the other members of the Trinity all the time. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And, and they, those three are in connection, communion, agreement all the time. All the time. Sometimes we struggle with this idea and we like to separate and they're, they're different, but they're, they're, you know, and I, I want to tell you, they're not like three brothers. They're not like three brothers or three sisters. Yikes. Um, right? The, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in communion, fellowship, perfect and, and they're in agreement with all that is for you and so as even as we look at this passage it says the spirit uh, uh, of God and then the spirit of Christ and there's this perfect communion and he goes back and forth and so it, it, there's a distinction sometimes we like to make of Holy Spirit does this son of God doesn't like and yet there's some much crossover as we look through the scripture the other thing and we talked about this last week that I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is in agreement with himself with himself as he has inspired the word of God this book right here inspired by the Holy Spirit we looked at it last week and so the Spirit of God will not lead you in a direction that is different from this book, this book right here. Very important for you to remember. 
Very important. Because um, th- there might come a time and a place where you go, man, I really believe the Spirit of God's talking to me and speaking to me and leading me and I need to walk with the Spirit and I think this is what the Spirit of God wants me to do. And it's different than what the Bible says. W- what's going on there? You're wrong. You're wrong. And, and it's okay to be wrong. And, and when I say it's okay to be wrong, get used to it is what I'm telling you, okay? I'm not, not saying it's a good thing to be wrong. I'm just saying that if you're, you're surprised by that, I don't know what's wrong with you, you know. Uh, but you've been wrong so many times. Anyways, um, I don't need to belabor that. But, but remember, the Holy Spirit is in agreement with himself as the inspired word of God this is what happens. So the Holy Spirit. The second word he, he uses there, he says the Holy Spirit, or, or the one that's been coming up over and over again, is flesh, is flesh. And, and the, the word flesh, you know, it, it comes to the humanity. It comes to the humanity. It can be talking about just the, the body, but it's, it's mainly used and used a lot by Paul as to say this. That that thing that you are, that you are the willing instrument of sin. The willing instrument of sin. It's not that the flesh is always sinning, but it's ready to sin all the time. it's, It's human without the Spirit of God working in it. And so he says, he he wants to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the human flesh or the, or the willing instrument of sin that we have. And he uses uh, really two different, it's translated two different words here. It's, it's, it's this idea of what is their relationship? What is the Holy Spirit's relationship to your flesh? What is the relationship there? And, and, and he goes on in verse 17 after saying you should walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. He says, they're against each other. They're against each other. They're against each other. They're opposed to each other. There's, they're contrary and they're in conflict all the time. And I think that's important to remember. That as you take a step in life, as you're walking on the path, as you're going about your day, as you're deciding to do this or do that, what you're filling your time with, what you're thinking about, what your attitude is. There's always two options. There's always two options. And there may be variations of those options as we are thinking about them. But know this, there's two of them and they're not similar. They're not similar. They're not like friends, right? Right? They're opposed and in conflict with one another all the time, all the time. And as you think about this, it's very important for you to get this. As you think about this over and over and over again, there will be a wrong way for you to choose and there will be God's way for you to choose over and over again. I think we could give testimony to that. It's interesting, as, as I think about this, um, I, I think about the many times that, that in my life where you come to a crossroads or, or you think or you're, you're ready to sin and you realize that this is 
One of two things. This is what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. He's calling me. He's leading me to do. And that which the flesh is crying out for. It's always willing to sin. Always ready to sin. He says in in verse 17, he says this. uh, He speaks of the desire of the Spirit and the desire of the flesh being opposed to each other. And then he says this, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. A tough translation in the ESV, but this idea is this. Um, What you want to do, what you want to do, if you are a believer, if you want to do, your flesh will oppose you in doing. It will keep you from that. It's not just having... The, the, the right idea in your heart, the idea that I, I know what I want to do, I know what God has for me, I know what the life that I want to live, but the flesh stands in opposition. And because of it, that, that which we want to do is not done and we do what is wrong. We do what is wrong. We could give testimony, right? We could give testimony over and over again. Verse 18 so we looked at uh, th- this idea of the enemy of the Spirit, which is the flesh. The enemy of the Holy Spirit is the flesh. In verse 18, and it's not a huge point, but I wanted to bring it out because I think it's in parallel to the previous one. He's pointing out that the, the Holy Spirit is superior, the superior Holy Spirit. And, and, and if you could think like a Galatian, you know, you can think like yourself and you can think of your own life, but you go this. When I didn't have a relationship with Christ, when my sins weren't forgiven because I hadn't trusted in, in Jesus, I was doing all kinds of things. I was out doing them. I, I, I was out, you know, I was with my friends. I, I was listening to them. I was listening to my own heart and I was in a mess. I was doing all kinds of things. But there's a different way to live, and this is what he's saying right here, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under the law. And if you remember back to why the book of Galatians is written, is the Galatians were looking for a new way to live because of their newfound faith in Jesus. And they were prone to, as as many of us are, to have a Jewish list. Not because it's a Jewish list. Any list will be wrong. But, but this idea that they were looking for some rules. What are the new rules that I have to live by? Give me a set of rules. Give me a list of things to do. If I can do those things, then I'll be really right with God. And he's, he's hammering this once again. Verse 18, he says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The, the idea of being led by the Spirit, he's already said uh, walk by the Spirit. He's going to say after this next week, he's going to be talking about this idea of keeping in step with the Spirit. But in verse 18, he says led by the Spirit. What a beautiful picture. It's this idea of no longer being alone. Um, it's always better to have someone with you, right? It's always better especially if you're going to get lost, right? You'd rather have someone with you when you're lost. But, but that isn't the picture of being lost. It's the idea of being with one who knows, who knows where to go, 
And it's even the picture uh, of maybe a dark road or a, a dark path or a busy place where he's not just leading you down the path and showing you the way, but he's holding your hand. He's leading you. He's pulling you along. And this is the picture. He says, but if you're led by the Spirit, that is you. That, that's the picture. And you are not under law. Not under law. It's this huge theme of the book, um, book of Galatians. You don't get another list. You're not stuck under the rule or the dominion. You're not stuck under the law. I think that what happens if, if rules are the way you live by, you say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, I have to do this, I have to do that. Laws, rules, it's, it's under, it's oppressive. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. You're not there. Uh, not of the old way of living, not of a, uh, this idea of new ways, new laws to live by, but you're just being led by the Spirit. You're holding His hand. I want to remind you, I, I said this last week, and just take a break from the Scriptures and apply a little bit here. Uh, why do we keep talking about lists and laws? Why? Because we love them. We love them, right? We want to make life simple. We want to make life simple. We, we don't want to listen anymore. Just give me the things that I need to do. Uh, if, I, if I say it this way, and it seems offensive, it should be. It should be offensive to the Lord that sometimes... As we think of our salvation, we say, God, just give me the right thing to do and so I can go do my own thing. And he says, I want intimacy with you. The, the, the whole idea of indwelling, the Holy Spirit indwelling in us is that personal relationship. And, and yet we want another list. And, and I was thinking about this. and um, how, do you know, how do you know how to live? How do you know what to do? How, how many of you have gone to the doctor in the last month? Fun times, huh? How do you know if you should do what the doctor said? How do you know? How do you know? And you go, just do what the doctor says. Don't do that. Don't do that. Right? We talked about this before. But don't not do that either, right? How do you know? How do you know what to do? How, how do you know uh, what to do with money? How, how do you know when to make a purchase and not make a purchase? How do you know to choose this one instead of that one? And some of you are cheap and you have the answer for that, right? Whatever's cheapest, you know, whatever's cheapest. Um, that doesn't always work, does it? It doesn't always honor the Lord either, right? And, and, and so how do you make decisions with money? How, how do you make, I assume there are some, a couple of you here today that want to have a good marriage. And especially those of you who are young and, and you say, I, I want to have a good marriage. I want to have a good marriage. Good, good for you. And so you ask the question, how do I have a good marriage? How, how do I do that? Oh, you have a date night. Great. I'll put it on my list. Uh, you say I love you a lot. That's a good thing. I'll put it on my list. And, and you start making a list of this is how to have a good marriage. And so 
you, you do this thing where you go, okay, we had Thursday was date night. I told her I loved her. I think it was Monday. And, um, and you know, I, I, I took out the trash. I, I think I did. But, like, like, I did something nice. I'm sure I did. I should have a good marriage. Why? Because I did the list. I, I know I'm meddling here. I know I am. What about parenting? What about parenting? I trust that those of you who here have kids in the home, you, you, you want to raise good kids. And, and you say, well, how, how do I raise good kids? Okay. Well, go to church. Go to church. If I go to church, everything's going to be fine. My kids are going to be good. I'll put it on the list. Go to church. I'll go to church. I'll also send them to youth group. Maybe Caleb can fix them. Gives me a break, by the way, too. You know, uh, Thursday nights are awesome. You know, uh, parents are asking if we could have like five-hour middle school group times. But anyways, we're not going to. Uh, go to church. Uh, send them to youth group. Maybe if you have younger kids, send them to adventure club. Make, make sure they memorize the scriptures. Make sure. Make sure of it. Uh, what else should we put? Oh, chore chart. We've got to have a chore chart, right? The, the idea that they learn responsibility. And so I don't have to do the dishes anymore. It's on a chore chart, right? And if I have this, you know, I'm making a list here. This is what's going to, you know, this is the recipe, if you will, to turn out great kids. Chore chart. Maybe I'll homeschool them. And that will ensure that they will not be corrupted by this world. They'll just be corrupted by our home instead of uh, the world. That was a joke. Relax, okay? Um, maybe, maybe you think in terms of your kids and you say, well, I'm going to make sure they're, they're high achievers. They're able to do math and read big words and big books and and that they would get good scores on tests, that they'd be ready for college and be ready to go. Maybe I'll teach them Latin and Greek and Akkadian and whatever other uh, languages you think that they need to know. And maybe for you, you say, well, no, it's, it, there's other things too. Put them on the list. They got to play sports. Everyone's got to play sports. Pick a sport and play it. Or pick five sports and play it. Or pick one sport and play five seasons of that same sport every year. Maybe it's music or dance. Maybe it's being people that are outdoors. Maybe that you got to make sure your kids know how to use computers because that's the way of the future, you know. And that's and that's how you raise a good kid. You just, you just do this list. Some of you got involved in the list and you were excited and you're listening and I'm saying, no, it's not. It's not. How you raise good kids is that they have parents who are led by the Spirit. And moment by moment, they're not adding more rules. They're going like this. How do I discipline my kid? What do I talk to them about? What do we involve ourselves with? What do we not involve ourselves with? What do we quit doing today? And what do we go to tomorrow? And how does this all work? This, this, is, this is what I'm getting at. And some of you are, are flipping out right now. You're saying, 
I need a list. I need a list because I can't live without a list. And I want to say, if you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need a list because you've got it all that you need in the Holy Spirit. And so he reminds us in the midst of this, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law, which brings us to verse 19, the obvious acts. Um, How many of you have seen the Pacific Ocean? How did you know? How did you know? It was pretty big, right? You didn't miss it, did you? I, we've lived over here quite a while, and I've spent uh, my, my place I grew up was Santa Barbara, and we, we would go back there many times. And, there, you know, you get on the freeway, and then you go on this freeway and that freeway just for a little bit, and then you get on 126, and then you get on the 101, and you see the Pacific Ocean. And, and no one's going, can you point it out to me? It's obvious. Is it to the right? No, that's the mountain. It's there. There it is. It's obvious. You can't miss it. You cannot miss it. It's the Pacific Ocean. Listen to this. Verse 18. Verse 18. He says, uh, now, uh, he's talking about being led by the Spirit. Verse 18. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. You can translate that word evident, manifest, or obvious. It's, it's the idea that they're laid bare. It, it, it's, it's not confusing. It's not confusing. There's many things in life that are confusing. Uh, I always think it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm not a computer guy. Like, I don't understand electronics. But I, I've seen when you, they take the cover off your computer and there's all these little gadgets and wires and chips and things like that and it's it's fascinating but like I, I wouldn't know where to start it's not obvious I want to tell you that as you look at the works of the flesh they are obvious they're obvious acts and I, I would even tell you as we go through this list and I'm just going to go through it quickly these are the obvious acts uh, there are some that are very obvious acts You can't help but know that these are the acts of the flesh. And then there are others that are just obvious. But they are all obvious to some degree or another. Obvious acts. And and, and what what these are, I I want you to know this. How, How does this relate to your life? They're an option of things that you could do in action. They're an attitude of your heart that you you would, you know, it'd be kind of the flavor of what you're thinking, but not just your attitude, but also your thoughts, the active things that you are going through in your mind. And and what he's saying here is there are some obvious things that will be reflected in actions, attitudes, and thoughts, like the Pacific. You'll know it. It's obvious. This is the list. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Let's go through them. First of all, sexual immorality. It was the idea of the use of a prostitute. It was that type of sin. It wasn't 
limited to that, but that was the type of sin. Impurity, similar to that, dirty living, indecent living. Sensuality, a disregard for that which is appropriate behavior, many times sexually. Idolatry, they would have been well, you know, well known, the idea of, uh, hey, I have this idol, this is what I worship, this is what I worship instead of worshiping the one true God. Idolatry, worship of the world's gods that were not gods at all. Sorcery, that which is, uh, I think in other translations it says witchcraft, it's the idea of drugs, potions, or spells. Uh, it's the word pharmakia, uh, from which we get pharmacy. I'll just leave that right there. Um, the next word is enmity, various forms of evil, hatred, uh, strife, having a temper. I would say that it's interesting. We get to things like this and you say, uh, some of you would uh, proudly, casually, confidently say, oh, I just have a temper. Well, good for you. That's an obvious act of the flesh. That's what that is. It's not a personality trait. It's not, you know, I'm hot-blooded or, you know, I come from a particular part of the world that they have tempers and I got one. It's not, I, I didn't inherit it from my dad. Unless you think through the whole Adam thing, right? You inherit, anyways, but, but, but that idea of, of having a temper, we, we may not see that as obvious, but it is obvious, right? When you think about having a temper and you, you know, it's gonna, there's another word in here that talks about losing it. And, 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 and if you lose it, if you get angry, you flip out and, and you, you look back and you say, now, now what, was that a, a, an act of the flesh or was that from the Holy Spirit? bearing good fruit in me it's obvious right it's obvious and that's the point here as he goes through this list is that these things are obvious uh, so you have uh, enmity uh, strife jealousy uh, wanting others positions or situation fits of anger flipping out that's what that is rivalries that that idea of sinful ambitions that we desire to be better than others at their at their expense dissensions and divisions this this idea of the tearing apart or the separating most likely within a church or in a, a group or a family that desires that should be together envy uh, close uh, to the the jealous word we looked at earlier but always sinful drunkenness drunkenness orgies and, and as you look at those last two uh, and I would say this whole list this whole list what it was meant to uh, bring about in the minds of the Galatians was this this is what I've been saved from remember the good old days that weren't that good R remember those things this is what I've been saved from this was me and my friends. This was my family. This, this was my town. This was Galatia. But I've been saved from that. And so he lists these out. He says, these things are obvious. 
Those last two, drunkenness and orgies, is, is the picture of, of someone losing themselves in, in drinking. And the, the orgies, probably not the best translation, but this idea of drunkenness and partying that gives way to all kinds of fleshly desires. And so you get this picture of that was the old life. It's interesting, uh, he, he talks to the people who loves li- love lists, and what does he say at the end of his list? What does he say at the end of the list? Etc. right? And things like these. Because there's somebody, there's always that person, right? They go, oh, that, that's not my favorite sin. I'm greedy. It didn't really mention greed in there. I, I eat too much. I, I'm involved in gluttony. It, it didn't say anything about stealing or pride. You know, kind of got close to lust, but I, I really don't act on it. It's just something in my mind. Do you understand? He's saying, and there's a bunch of other ones too, and they're obvious as well. And, and so what he, he places clearly in, in the passage as he's talking about these two different ways of living, he says this, there's an obviously fleshly way to live. You know it. You know it. And these are the things and the like and the like. These are the things that you were saved from. It's interesting. He, he says, uh, concluding this list in verse 21, he says this. I warn you, as I warned you uh, before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and, and so I want to unpack this for you. So, so he says, this is obvious. These are the things that you were saved from. And you were saved, you were saved for a different kingdom, a different kingdom. Salvation ends up in God's kingdom. That, that, that's what heaven is all about. It, it, it's, it's this temporary place down here which we long for heaven. We long to be under his rule. We long to be where things are right. And so he says, he, he says as you think about these things, as you think about these things that you've been saved from, I, I want to remind you. And, and my assumption is, I told you when I came before. When Paul came to the, uh, the city of Galatia, he, I, I think that was as part of his gospel message. Is he says this, the things you are doing, the things that your life is about, don't represent a child of God. So my assumption is that you don't know the gospel. Here is the gospel. Jesus died for sinners. Your life can be changed. You can, your sins can be forgiven. You can be a new person, one who is... Uh, a citizen and, and a rightful member, a rightful member of the kingdom of God, an in, one who inherits the kingdom of God. I, I want to um, I, I make sure I, I get this for you. Some of you are, are, are saying, you're looking at that list, and you say, well, the big ones, the, the super obvious ones, I'm, I'm not involved in those. I'm not involved in the super obvious ones. But the regular obvious ones, I'm jealous sometimes, of hatred sometimes, or, or 
you know, I, I struggle with rivalries and being envious and jealous. And, you know, there was that time that I, you know, had three drinks or four drinks instead of just one. And, and you know, I was tipsy or maybe more so. And you say, well, does that mean I, I'm not, I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? And I, I want you to know this because I think it's important. Um, as you look at... Um, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do such things. The grammar is such that it's the idea of that it is the mark of one's life that they're presently doing and haven't changed. It's the mark of one's life. It's, it's not a momentary sin. It's not a, a sin that has been repented of. It's not something that, that we're struggling with and know it's wrong. It, it's the idea that it's the mark of your life that you're continuing in. It's that there's no evidence of a changed life. And I, I just say this. Uh, we'll continue talking about this next week. And, and this list will come up against another list, a list of what the Spirit produces in the life of the believer um, and yeah, we'll go over this again, placing them side by side. I want three things I'd like you to remember this morning. Is the first one is this: it's just one or the other. It's just one or the other. I, I, I want to tell you in, in everything that you do, everything on your schedule, every way you spend your moments, your days, your hours, your whatever you, increment of time. I want to tell you, it's either one or the other. It's fleshly living or Holy Spirit living. One of two ways. And so don't confuse yourself. And as you think through your day, as you go about doing what you do, ask yourself the question, what am I doing here? Is this Holy Spirit living or is this fleshly living? Secondly, uh, acknowledge, look, considering this passage, acknowledge the obvious choices or the obvious sins or the obviously fleshly uh, steps that you're taking in your life. Don't ask for your wife to point it out. Don't ask for your mom or dad to hold you accountable. You do it. This is obviously from the flesh. It needs to go. And then lastly, thirdly, uh, apply this to everything you do. Your actions, your attitudes, your thoughts. Apply it to everything. As you think through your days, uh, your days at work, your days of parenting, your days of marriage, your days of work, uh, your days at church, your days away from church, your days on vacation, think through, what is this? Is this an, uh, an issue or a step or uh, action of the flesh or is this something that is prompted and led by the Holy Spirit producing fruit in me? God, thank you for this morning. Ask that these words that we have gone over, that they would remind us of how to live. God, do your work in us now. Thank you for Bear Valley Church. In Jesus' name, amen.